Welcome to Present Poetry. I'm your host, Erin Crittenden, and all poems within this podcast are either public domain or used with permission from the author or the author's estate. It's a fun time for poetry lovers of all ages, so sit back, relax, and get ready to hear some poems of the past and the present. This week's featured poet is Bliss Carmen. William Bliss Carmen was born April 15, 1861, in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. He received an education at the Fredericton Collegiate School as a child, then went on to receive his Bachelor's of Arts from the University of New Brunswick in 1881. While at school, Carmen discovered a love of classical literature through the poetry of Dante Rossetti and Algernon Swinburne. It inspired him to write, and he published his first poem in the university's monthly paper in 1879. After more schooling and an eventual master's degree, Carmen settled in Boston in 1890. However, a lack of job forced him to move to New York City, where he became the literary editor of the New York Independent. There, he heavily promoted Canadian poets and helped his friends get published in a bid to introduce Canadian poets to its readers. But it wasn't a good fit, and he was eventually dismissed in 1892. He went on to edit for a few more magazines, such as Cosmopolitan, The Chatbook, and Atlantic Monthly, but by 1895, Carmen was resigned to being a contributor to magazines and never an editor. What's worse is that his first book of poetry, Low Tide on Grand Prix, which he published in 1893, failed miserably. However, the following year, he published Songs of Vagabondia, a collaboration with fellow poet and Harvard friend Richard Hubby. That collection found immediate success and inspired Carmen to re-release Low Tides, which found more favor the second time around. Overall, William Bliss Carmen published 13 books of poetry and several books of prose and drama. However, his health began declining between 1908 and 1920, and he decided to return to Canada in 1920 to begin the first of a very successful line of reading tours. In 1921, Carmen was awarded the title of Canada's Poet Laureate. He sadly passed away on June 8, 1929 from a brain hemorrhage. He was cremated and eventually returned to his hometown of Fredericton for burial. Twenty-five years later, the town planted a scarlet maple tree on his grave to honor a stanza in his 1892 poem, The Grave Tree. It read, Let me have a scarlet maple for the grave tree at my head, with the quiet sun behind it in the years when I am dead. We are reading from Behind the R.S., a poetry collection published in 1895. This poem is called Exit Anima. Cease wind to blow and drive the peopled snow and move the haunted auras to and fro and moan of things I fear to know yet would rend from thee wind before I go on the blind pilgrimage. Cease wind to blow. Thy brother too, I leave no print of shoe in all these vasty rooms I rummage through, no word at threshold and no clue of whence I come and whither I pursue, the search of treasures lost when time was new. Thou janitor of the dim curtain door, 
Stir thy old bones along the dusty floor of this unlighted corridor. Open. I have been this dark way before. Thy hollow face shall peer in mine no more. Sky, the dear sky. Ah, ghostly house, goodbye. I leave thee as the gauzy dragonfly leaves the green pool to try his vast ambition on the vaster sky. Such valor against death is deity. What, thou too here, thou haunting whisperer? Spirits of beauty, imminent and sheer, art thou that crooked servitor, done with disguise, from whose malignant leer, out of the ghostly house I fled in fear? O beauty, how do I repent me now, of all the doubts I ever could allow, to shake me like the aspen bough, nor once imagine that unsullied brow could wear the evil mask and still be thou. Bone of thy bone, breath of thy breath alone, I dare resume the silence of a stone, or explore still the vast unknown, like a bright sea bird through the morning blown, with all his heart one joy from zone to zone. This poem is called The Moon Dial. Iron and granite and rust in a crumbling garden of old, where the roses are paler than dust and the lilies are green with gold. Under the racing moon, unconscious of war or crime, in a strange and ghostly noon, it marks the oblivion of time. The shadow steals through its arc, still as a frosted breath, fitful, gleaming, and dark as the cold frustration of death. But where the shadow may fall, whether to hurry or stay, it matters little at all to those who come that way. For this is the dial of them that have forgotten the world, no more through the mad day dreams of striving and reason hurled. Their heart as a little child only remembers the worth of beauty and love and the wild dark peace of the elder earth. It registers the morrows of lovers and winds and streams and the face of a thousand sorrows at the postern gate of dreams. When the first low laughter smote through Lilith, the mother of joy, and died and revived from the throat of Helen, the harpstring of Troy, and wandering on through the years from the sobbing rain and the sea, caught the sound of the world's gray tears or the sense of the sun's gold glee. Wherever the wild control burned out to a mortal kiss and the shuddering storm-swept soul climbed to its acme of bliss, the green-gold light of the dead stood still in a purple space and a record blind and dread was graved on the dial's face. And once in a thousand years some youth who loved so well the gods had loosed him from fears in a vision of blameless hell, has gone to the dial to read those signs in the outland tongue, written beyond the need of the simple and the young. For immortal life, they say, were his who, loving so, could explain this writing away as a legend written in snow. But always his innocent eyes were frozen into the stone, 
from that awful first surprise, his soul must return alone. In the morning there he lay, dead in the sun's warm gold, and no man knows to this day what the dim moon dial told. This poem is called The Night Express. Out through the hills of midnight, hurtling and thundering on, the night express from the outer world speeds for the open dawn. Out of the past in gloom rack, out of the dim and yore, freighted as a train or caravan was never freighted before. Built when the Sphinx's query was new on the lips of peace, hurled through the aching and hollow years till time shall have release. Stealing and swift as a shadow, sinuous, urging, and blind, unpent as a joy or the flight of a bird with oblivion behind. Down to the morrow country, into the unknown land, and the driver grips the throttle bar, our lives are in his hand. The sleeping hills awake, a tremor, a dread, a roar. The terror is flying, is come, is past. The hills can sleep once more. A moment the silence throbs, the dark has a pulse of fire, and then the wonder of time is gone, a wraith and a desire, demonishing, toiling, grim, and the ruddy furnace flare, while the driver fingers the throttle bar, who stands at his elbow there. Can it be, this thing like a shred, of the firmament torn away? Is a boarded train that death and his crew consorted to waylay? His wreckers, grinning and lean, are lurking at every curve. But the driver plays with the throttle bar. He has the iron nerve. We are traveling safe and warm with our little baggage of cares. Why tease the peril that yet would come, unbidden and unawares? The lonely are lonely still, and the friend has another friend. Only the idle heart inquires the distance and the end. We pant up the climbing grade and coast on the tangent mile, while the driver toys with the throttle bar and gathers the track in his smile. The dreamer weary of dreams, the lover by love released, stricken and whole and eager and sad, beauty and waif and priest. All these adventure forth, strangers though side by side, with the tramp of time and the roaring wheels, and haste in their shadowy stride. The star that races the hills shows yet the night is deep, but the driver humors the throttle bar so you and I may sleep. For he of the sleepless hand will drive till night is done, will watch till morning springs from sea and the rails stand gold in the sun. Then he will slow to a stop the tread of the driving rod, while the night express rolls into the dawn, for the driver's name is God. This poem is called In the Wings. The play is life, and this round earth, the narrow stage whereon, we act before an audience of actors dead and gone. There is a figure in the wings that never goes away, 
and though I cannot see his face, I shudder when I play. His shadow looms behind me here, or capers at my side, and when I mouth my lines in dread, those scornful lips deride. Sometimes a hooting laugh breaks out and startles me alone, while all my fellows wondering at my stage fright play on. I fear that when my exit comes, I shall encounter there, stronger than fate or time or love, and sterner than despair. The final critic of the craft, as the stage tradition tells, and yet, perhaps, twill only be the jester with his bells. This post is called Behind the Aras. I like the old house tolerably well, where I must dwell, like a familiar gnome, and yet I shall never feel quite at home. I love to roam. Day after day I loiter and explore, from door to door. So many treasures lure the curious mind, what histories obscure they must immure. I hardly know which room I care for best, this fronting west, with the strange hills in view, where the great sun goes, where I may go too, when my lease is through. Or this one for the morning in the east, where a man may feast, his eyes on looming sails, and be the first to catch their foreign hails, or spy their bales. Then the pale summer twilights towards the pole, it thrills my soul with wonder and delight, when gold-green shadows walk the world at night, so still, so bright. There at the window many a time of year, strange faces peer, solemn though not unkind, their wits in search of something left behind, time out of mind. As if they once had lived here and stole back to the window crack for a peep which seems to say, good fortune, brother, in your house of clay, and then good day. I hear their footsteps on the gravel walk, their scraps of talk, and hurrying after reach, only the crazy sea-drone of the beach in endless speech. And often when the autumn noons are still, by swale and hill, I see their gypsy signs trespassing somewhere on my borderlines, with what designs. I forth afoot, but when I reach the place, hardly a trace, save the soft purple haze, smoldering campfires, any hint betrays, who went these ways or tatters of pale aster blue, descried, by the roadside, reveal whether they fled, or the swamp maple here and there a shred of Indian red. And most of all, the marvelous tapestry engrosses me, where such strange things are rife, fancies of beasts and flowers and love and strife, woven to the life. Degraded shapes and splendid seraph forms, and teeming swarms of creatures gauzy dim, that cloud the dusk, and painted fish that swim at the weaver's whim, and wonderful birds that wheel and hang in the air, and beings with hair, and moving eyes in the face, and white-boned teeth, and hideous grins who race from place to place. They build great temples to their jananod, and fume and plod, to deck themselves with gold, and paint themselves like chattels to be sold, then turn to mold. Sometimes they seem almost as real as I, I hear them sigh, I see them bow with grief, or dance with joy like an aspen leaf, but that is brief. 
They have mad wars and phantom marriages, nor seem to guess. There are dimensions still, beyond thought's reach, though not beyond love's will, for soul to fill. And some I call my friends, and make believe, their spirits grieve, brood and rejoice with mine. I talk with them in phrases quaint and fine, over the wine. I tell them all my secrets, touch their hands, one understands, perhaps, how hard he tries, to speak, and yet those glorious mild eyes, his best replies. I even have my cronies, one or two, my cherished few, but ah, they do not stay, for the sun fades them and they pass away as I grow gray. Yet while they last, how actual they seem, their faces beam, I give them all their names, Bertram and Gilbert, Lewis, Frank and James, each with his aims, one thinks he is a poet and writes a verse, his friends rehearse, another is full of law, a third sees pictures which his hands can draw without flaw. Strangest of all, they never rest, day long, they shift and throng, moved by invisible will, like a great breath which puffs across my sill and then is still. It shakes my lovely mannequins on the wall, squall after squall, gust upon crowding gust, it sweeps them willy-nilly like blown dust, with glory or lust. It is the world ghost, the time spirit, come, none knows where from, the viewless, draughty tide, and wash of being, I hear it yaw and glide, and then subside. Along these ghostly corridors and halls, like faint footfalls, the hangings stir in the air, and when I start and challenge, who goes there? It answers, where? The wail and sob and moan of the sea's dirge, its plangor and surge, the awful biting soft of drifted snows across some arctic bluff that veer and luff, and have the vacant boating human cry as they go by, is it a banished soul, dredging the dark like a distracted mole under a knoll? Like some invisible henchman old and gray, day after day, I hear it come and go, stealthy, swift, unmeaning to and fro, muttering low. Ceaseless and daft and terrible and blind, like a lost mind, I often chill with fear when I bethink me, what if it should peer at my shoulder here? Perchance he drives the merry-go-round whose track is the zodiac, his name is no man's friend, and his gabbing parrot talk has neither trend, beginning, nor end. A prince of madness, too, I'd cry, a rat, and lunge thereat, let out at one swift thrust the cunning arch-delusion of the dust I so mistrust. But that I fear I should disclose a face wearing the trace of my own human guise, piteous, unharmful, loving, sad, and wise with the speaking eyes. I would the house were rid of his grim pranks, moaning from banks of pine trees in the moon, startling the silence like a demonic loon at the dead of noon or whispering his full talk to the leaves about my eaves, and yet how can I know it is not a happy Ariel masking so, and mocking woe? Then with a little broken laugh I say, snatching away, the curtain where he grinned, my feverish sight thought, like a sin unsinned, only the wind. Yet often, too, he steals so softly by, with half a sigh, I deem he must be mild, fair as a woman, Gentle as a child, and forest wild. 
Passing the door where an old wind harp swings with its five strings, contrived long ago by my first predecessor bent to show his handcraft so. He lays his fingers on the alien wire as a core of fire is laid upon the blast to kindle and glow and fill the purple vast of dark at last. Weird, wise, and low, piercing, and keen, and glad, or dim and sad, as a forgotten strain, born when the broken legions of the rain swept through the plain. He plays, like some dread-veiled mysteriarch, lighting the dark, bidding the spring grow warm, the gendering merge and losing of spirit and form, peace out of storm. For music is the sacrament of love, he broods above the virgin silence till she yields for rapture shuddering yearning still to his sweet will i hear him sing your harp is like a mesh woven of flesh and spread within the shoal of life where runs the tide race of the soul in my control though my wild way may ruin what it bends it makes amends to the frail downy clocks Telling their seed a secret that unlocks the granite rocks. The womb of silence to the crave's sound is heaven unfound, till I, to soothe and slake, being's most utter and imperious ache, bid rhythm awake. If which such agonies of bliss my kin I enter in, your prison house of sense, with what a joyous freed intelligence I shall go hence. I need no more to guess the weaver's name, nor ask his name, who hung each hall and room with swarthy tinged vermilion upon gloom. I know that loom. Give me a little space and time enough from revelings rough. I could revive, reweave, a fabric of beauty art might well believe were past retrieve. O oh, men and women in that rich design, sleep soft, sun fine, dew tenuous and free. A tone of the infinite wind, themes of the sea, born into me, reveals how you were woven to the might of shadow and light. You are the dream of one who loves to haunt and yet appears to shun my door in the sun. As the white roving sea turn flick and skim the morning's rim, or the dark thrushes clear their flutes of music leisurely and sheer, then hush to hear. I know him when the last red brands of day smolder away, and when the vernal showers bring back the heart to all my valley flowers in the soft hours. O oh, hand of mine and brain of mine, be yours, while time endures, to acquiesce and learn, for what we best may dare and drudge and yearn, let soul discern. So, fellows, we shall reach the gusty gate, early or late, and part without remorse, a cadence dying down unto its source in music's course. You, the perfect rhythms of flowers and birds, colors and words, the heartbeats of the earth, to be remolded always of one worth from birth to birth. I, to the broken rhythm of thought and man, the sweep and span of memory and hope, about the orbit where they still must grope for wider scope. To be through thousand springs restored, renewed, with love imbued, with increments of will, made strong, perceiving, unattainment still, from each new skill. Always the flawless beauty, always the chord, of the overword. Dominant, pleading, sure, no truth too small to save and make endure, no good too poor. 
And since no mortal can at last disdain that sweet refrain, but let's go strife and care, born like a strain of bird notes on the air, the wind knows where. Some quiet April evening, soft and strange, when comes to change, no spirit can deplore, I shall be one with all I was before, in death once more. Thank you for listening to this episode of Present Poetry. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review, share us on social media, or subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you would like to learn more about the featured poet, or you would like your work featured on the podcast, please check out the links in the show notes. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.